Welcome to the Friday Night Sabbath Bible Study at the Spirit of Prophecy Church. And we are going to first sing a couple of songs, and then we're going to pray, and we're going to start reading in John chapter 13 tonight. So I'm pulling out my chromatic pitch instrument. We're at page 11 in the All-American Church Hymnal. Love lifted me. And from my piano days when I was back as a teenager, I believe that's an E-B-G, G-flat, if I'm reading that correct. No one has ever corrected me and said I'm wrong, so I guess I'm right. So G-flat, love lifted me, page 11. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. Very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me, now safe am I. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me, love lifted me. Love lifted me when nothing else could help. Love lifted me too. All my heart to him I give, ever to him I'll cling. In his blessed presence live, ever his praises sing. Love so mighty and so true merits my soul's best songs. Faithful, loving service to to him belong. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Number three. Souls in danger, look above, Jesus completely saves. He will lift you by his love out of the angry waves. He's the master of the sea, billows his will obey. He your savior wants to be, be saved today. Love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help. Love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. It's a good song. All right, 79, 79, 79. Oh, boy, I think. F A no E G B D D sharp. I think I got the wrong key because that sure seemed awful low to me. I think I was wrong, right? I was wrong when I. <laughs> <It> was wrong. <laughs> Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? 
At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day for. But drops of grief can ne'er repay the debt of love I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away, tis all that I can do. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Okay, so Brandon, you grew up in church. Is there another one you see you'd like to sing? Did you notice one? It's kind of kind of quick. Maybe next week, huh? Sure. sure. Speaking of next week, uh, our technical director in the other room that makes this all happen can't be here next week. <coughs> so, uh, I guess I have to do it from my house. So we won't be. Is that right? Oh, I got us. Yeah, well, I switched mics. That way it doesn't sound like I'm doing a solo. Okay. <coughs> anyway, so we won't be meeting here next week. So let's pray. First of all, Lord, you said that wherever two or more agree is touching any one thing would be given. Where two or more gather in your name, there you are in the midst of them. So, Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus that you be here and that you bring your anointing into the room. We know that wisdom and might are yours. You change the times and seasons. You removeth kings and setteth up kings. You giveth wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. You revealeth the deep and secret things. You knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with you. And Lord, we ask that you would show us the deep and secret things. We know that you cannot understand ink on paper without your spirit. So Lord, we ask your Holy Spirit to show us those deep and secret things. Help us to understand. Be prepared. Be a witness, win a lot of souls, and remember what we've learned about your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're in John chapter 13. John chapter 13. You folks online will notice that we hung one of my charts behind me. Praise God so I can show you. All right, John chapter 13. We ready? Okay. Now... Before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew the desire was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father. Having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now been put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things unto his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God. He riseth from supper, and laid aside his garments, and took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin. By the way, I'm about to ask you if you get the revelation here. There's a really big revelation. See, everything in the Bible repeats. That thing which was is that thing which shall be. And like we talked about last week, looking at the chart, a lot of things... If persons, if they don't understand Revelation, they don't understand the second fulfillment. They know what happened then, 
but they don't understand how that's going to happen again in the future. So as I'm about to read these scriptures, look into the scriptures to see if you can figure out when this happens again. Okay, so verse 4. He rose from supper, laid aside his garments, and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel wherewith he was girded. Now, in Israel, you have to understand, in those days, they wore sandals. And in those days, they walked every place. And I can tell you that Israel is a dry, dusty place. And so after they had walked five, ten miles, which was not unusual in a day to get where they were going, dust was about from knee down. Dust. They were very, very dusty feet. And so it was a great compliment if someone would wash their feet. And so that's what he's doing. He's washing the feet. Now, first question is, why? Second question is, when does it repeat? Okay. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Simon said unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to them, But what I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. So he's telling them this is going to mean something in the future. Peter said to them, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash not thee, thou hast no part of me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. <laughs> Jesus said to him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. For he knew what who should betray him. Therefore he said, Ye are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet and taken his garments and was sat down again, he said unto them, Know you what I have done to you? You call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done unto you. Now, what's he talking about? Well, part of it is, um, of course, in chapter 13, he's serving the disciples. Mm-hmm. And at the marriage supper, he's going to serve us again. Well, on the next one. He said it correct. Um, it's in preparation for the marriage supper because Daniel chapter 7 says that he is brought before the ancient of days, that would be the Father, and is given dominion, glory, and a kingdom. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is that which shall not be destroyed, that all people, nations, and languages shall serve and obey him. That's the marriage supper. We read the marriage supper last week. And at the marriage supper, he comes forth and serves us. Now you may be saying, wait a minute. If he's really God, why would he wash our feet? Well, that's the point. Because in Lucifer's kingdom, his kingdom is do as thou wilt. Take advantage of people, hurt people, push them around, push them down, put yourself first. But in the kingdom of Jesus, it's exactly the opposite. Put everybody else first. Serve everybody else first. So after he is brought before the ancient of days, and he's changed from prince to become the king of kings and lord of lords, changed from lamb to become the lion of the tribe of Judah. With all of that power, all of that glory, 
then what does he do? He serves us. And part of what he will do is exactly this. He will come forth and serve and to wash our feet. Now, I don't know what kind of body we're going to be in. It's not going to be the final glorified body. I don't know. But he'll come forth and he will serve us food. Remember he said, I will not eat again of this until I see you in the kingdom. But it'll serve us with food, but it'll also wash our feet. Because that's the first example of him saying, I put all of you before me. And so I expect all of you in my kingdom to put others before you. Easy to say. Not easy to do. Did the priests, um, like at Solomon's temple, also cleanse themselves? They had to cleanse themselves? Yes. Like with the water bath and... So the priests in Solomon's temple had to cleanse themselves and they had to have a life of dedication where they dedicated themselves to serving God's people. Well, that's that's another subject. But yeah, the high priest not only had to literally wash themselves and put on fresh garments, but they also had to do all kinds of sacrifices before they entered into the Holy of Holies. But I mean, even even every week, you know, the, the Jews would wash themselves. Many of the other nations practically never did. But you go to Israel, and in every city, they had like a public wash basin. I'm glad I didn't have to take a shower or a, the, the bath in there. But they, I mean, I've, I've been down in them. Of course, it had no water, praise God. But um, they went to a lot of trouble. It was the one that I was in was probably 10 foot wide by maybe 8 foot long. wasn't real big. And it had white plaster all down on the bottom of the side. In other words, it was like porcelain. It was like to seal the water in. And they put the water in, and then the top people got in to wash first, and then down, down, down. So by the time it got down to the children, you got some pretty dirty water to wash with. <laughs> but yeah, but that's better than no bath at all. Of course, it might not have been a whole lot better. But anyway, so... Verse 15, for I have given you an example that you should do as I've done to you. Now, in our day and time, is he saying we should literally wash people's feet? Well, I have done and I have had others wash my feet. And I have to say, it is a very humbling experience to have your feet washed and to wash the feet of other people. And it is, it changes your heart to a heart of servitude not a heart of me first and dominance. Mm -hmm. But I also think he's saying not just literally do it often and all the time, but he's saying that that's the attitude as Christians should walk in all the time. Do we do it? Again, easy to say, not so easy to do. 16, verily, verily, what does that mean? It's going to repeat again. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. Neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. So, he's saying, yes, the Father is greater than the Son. The Son is greater than us on earth. But even though we should still serve each other, we should wash each other, we should put others first. Verse 18, I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Why does he say that? Lifted up his heel against me. 
What does that mean? Is that not in reference to uh, Judas and the betrayal? Yes, yes. But why did he word it with that word heal? Oh, well, he was he immediately got up and betrayed him at that point. Yes, yes. There's a deeper meaning. Hold your place there in John. We're coming back to John. Let's go back to Genesis. Genesis, that thing which was is that thing which shall be. Everything in the Bible repeats. We're going to go to Genesis uh, right after. Oh, boy. Ah, here, wait, wait, wait. I know I can look it up here. I got my handy-dandy Bible and computer so I can look it up. 315. Genesis 3.15. Okay, let's start at verse 9. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard the voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree where I have commanded thee that thou should not eat? The man said, the woman, the woman, the woman. She's, she, she's the problem. She's the one. That, the woman who thou gavest me. See, you gave her to me. She, she's the problem. Okay. Immediately starts blaming. Him. The woman who thou gavest me. She gave me the tree and did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent, the serpent, the serpent. He did it. He did it. He beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Okay, because thou hast done this, here's your curses. Thou art cursed above all cattle, above every beast of the field, and upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put, here it comes, here it comes, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall brood thy head, and thou shalt bruise his so what's going on Jesus is washing the feet of his disciples this was the night before he was about to be crucified and what is he saying he's saying that this is the serpent lifting up the heel against him in other words Satan is trying to defeat him by this death but what he doesn't understand is this is about to defeat Satan Satan didn't understand you know we want to think something that's one of the, 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 the most blessed of all of God's creations would be smarter than that. Smart enough to realize he's not smarter than God, but he wasn't. He made a mistake. He didn't understand. And so consequently, he killed the Lord of glory, nailed him to the cross. And as we talked about last night, or last week, yod Hey vav Hey is literally, the way we say it is Yahweh, but it's Yod, which is the hand, Hey is speaking forth or like a people, and then Vav is a nail, and then Hey is people. So it, what God's name is, it's a God that's going to nail his hand to a cross to save his people. What an awesome thing that God would name himself Yahweh, the God that gives his hand to save his people. Isn't that awesome? So this is moments before Jesus is taken to be crucified. 
And he's saying, let's go back to uh, the word heal now. Back to John 15. I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. So this is Satan thinking he's defeating the son. But he doesn't understand that the woman is going to get the victory. As in the son of the woman, as in Jesus. So the great battle of that time was about to begin. And now we may be in the great battle of the end times now. Verse 19. Now I tell you before it come, that when it has come to pass, that you may believe that I am he. Verily, verily, there it is again, repeating. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever I sendeth receiveth me. What? Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth Jesus, whomsoever I send receiveth me. And he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. So what he's saying is, if I send you a preacher, if I send you an evangelist, if I send you a a teacher, and if you accept them as being from me, then what you've done is accepted the Father. Accepting once I've sent is accepting me and accepting the Father. That's what he's saying, verily, verily. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in the spirit and testified and said, verily, verily, I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked at one another, doubting of whom he spake. Now, when you're saying doubting, I don't think they're saying I'm doubting Jesus. They're saying, I want, who is this going to be that's going to betray him? Doubting Jesus. Now, there was, now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of the disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned him that he should ask of whom it, it should be of whom they had spake. In other words, who's going to betray him? He then, lying on Jesus' breast, said unto him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when I have dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. After the sop. Now, what's the sop? What does he mean, dipping the sop? Anybody know? Okay, so we eat leavened bread. But in those days... Not all of the bread they ate was leavened. But even if it was leavened, it was not all fresh. A lot of it was like hard as a brick, hard as a rock. So it was very common for them to have a juice, as we call it today, where it was some kind of like a, a flavored drink, and they would dip their hard piece of bread in there to eat it. Because if you don't, it's, <laughs> it's so hard, I break your teeth on it, you know. So when he dipped the bread in there, he reached and handed it to I, Uh, Judas Iscariot. Now apparently the way it's said here there was 12 people in the room other than Jesus and they were all talking and Jesus said that someone's going to betray me and apparently Judas Iscariot sat close but he wasn't listening he was probably talking to someone else and he was talking over here to I believe it was John might have been Peter I forget which one anyway and they heard him say it and so he said, well, which one was it? And so he didn't want to say, it's you, Judas. So he said, the one I dipped the sop. So he picked up a piece of bread, dipped it in the sop, or dipped it in the juice, the water. It might have been just water, probably some kind of flavored juice, and then handed it to 
and Judas Iscariot. He didn't realize that he was saying, you're the one. Now, if it's not this account, it's another one that says that when he was handed that, the spirit of the devil entered into him, and it all started. So let's see if this is the one. Where is it, 27? And after the sop, yeah, here it is. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him, for some of them thought because Judas had the bag. In other words, he carried the money for the group. Okay? He was the bag man. He was the treasurer. He was the banker. And in that right, most of the bankers, <laughs> at least the big international bankers, are corrupt to this day. Because Jesus had the bag, and Jesus said unto him, Buy those things that you have need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. He then, having received the sop, went immediately out, and it was night. Therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself, and shall straightway glorify him. Little children, yet a little while, and I am with you. You shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, whither I go, you cannot come. So now I say unto you, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. Okay, so wait a minute, what happened? So he has just washed their feet. He just handed the sop to Judas Iscariot. Satan entered into him. So at that point he went to the high priest, told them, this is the guy you're looking for, this is the guy. They weren't sure who Jesus was. They'd heard about him, heard about him a lot. So Judas' job was to show them who Jesus was because he was one of the insiders. He was one of the disciples. And they paid him 30 pieces of silver to do that. So Judas has left. So the infiltrator, the traitor, has left. So now Jesus says, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another. Just as I demonstrated by just washing your feet just a few moments ago, that's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to put other people ahead of yourself. A new commandment I've given to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, and you also love one another. But this shall all men know, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have loved one to another. How are we doing as Christians? across America are Christians loving Americans or other Christians I remember when Prophecy Club was started probably we been going a couple of months it just started in Topeka, Kansas and the uh, WREN radio station uh, was the one that we started on and the manager there which now is still in ministry today and uh, he said your, minute, your, your, your program is doing really good. A lot of response coming in from it. And he said, but let me just tell you, he said, your biggest problem is not going to be from the secular group. Your biggest problem is going to be from other people that call themselves Christians. Yep. Now, some 40 years later, he's been right. People that attack me in Prophecy Club are other Christians true by this shall shall know that all men by this shall you know try it again by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another 
Verse 36, Simon Peter said to them, Lord, whither goest thou? Jesus answered him, Whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. So what's he talking about? He's going to go, well, when he dies, he goes to heaven to take, uh, to get his wedding garment and to bring it back and dip his dip it in his blood. Then he takes it back to heaven for the wedding feast, the feast which is yet to come, which probably is inside 10 years. It's just a guess. Peter said to them, Lord, why canst not I follow you? I will lay down my life for thy sake. Jesus answered them, Will thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto you, thee. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. Man, that's time to throw your face on the floor. Start beating your chest saying, okay, let me just repent. Let me just start before this even gets started. Don't, don't, I want to do that. I don't want to do that. And we want to think, you know, oh, well, you know, today we're, we have the whole Bible. I mean, we go to Bible study. We know, you know, we know about the mark of the beast. And we would never take that mark of the beast. Well, I got a feeling it's not going to be so easy to resist. It, it's, it's going to be the most difficult thing we've ever done in our life to not take that mark of the beast. I was just reading today. They are, uh, I got another email confirming that they're coming out with new cell phones. Oh, oh, here's another thing. Elon Musk, the good guy that just bought Twitter, and I've been saying, you're not a good guy. Here's what he just did. He just put a lady, Ivani or something like that was her last name, in charge. She's the new CEO of Twitter. Oh, and what job did she have before this? Why, she was one of the top people with the World Economic Forum. <laughs> bad okay so this is the fox guarding the hen house yes yes i'll see to it that you have free speech as i take over twitter and then hands it over to the devil or actually it never left the devil's hands okay so any comments on 13 or questions comments or questions Comments or questions? Comments or questions? No? Okay. Someone want to read 14? You don't have to. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Okay, wait a minute. What's he talking about? In my Father's house are many mansions. What's he talking about? I, John, saw the holy city in New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he shall dwell with them. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. They shall be his people. God shall wipe away all tears and their eyes. There shall be no more curse, neither death, nor sorrow, nor crying. Neither shall be any more, or, or, or any more pain, for the former things are passed away. She's talking about when he returns in the New Jerusalem. Because to him, time is not going to mean anything. 
He's about to, he's hours away from being crucified. And then about the next major thing that's going to happen is the New Jerusalem. So he's saying, in my father's house are many mansions. And there's another scripture that says, <clears throat> And he that overcometh will make a pillar in the temple of my God. That's talking about the New Jerusalem. Okay, that's talking about, oh, hey, here, I can, I can do this. Out here, out here, okay, the New Jerusalem, okay. Um, I need to get a new battery there. The new, here it is. From heaven adorned with husband, he will dwell with them. There will be God himself. Okay, I just quoted that. All right, so, and in that, and, I'm, and he that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And write upon him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, with coming down out of heaven from my God, and write upon him my new name. So there will be a lot of people... There'll be a lot of people that uh, will be able to live inside the New Jerusalem. And okay, I guess I lost my laser pointer. <laughs> oh, okay. <clears throat> that leads me to a question: Who gets to go in the New Jerusalem, and who will live there? Ooh, that's a very good question. And he that uh, keepeth my has it word, and he that, uh, that that keepeth my commandments, will I give right to the tree of life. He shall go no more, and I write upon him the name of. No, no I'm, I'm getting mixed up here. Here, hang on. See, I start getting messed up. They're playing music, and it, it interferes with me concentrating. Or I don't know. Anyway, it messes me up. I I can't concentrate with that. Um, he that keepeth my commandments. Well, have right to the tree of life. He shall enter in into the city, into the city. So it's those people whose names are in the book of life get to enter into the city. For without are dogs and whoremongers and murderers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. So on the outside, the people that never get to go in, are those are the nations. They didn't receive Jesus, but they didn't take the mark of the beast either. <clears throat> so the mansions, that is in reference to living in the New Jerusalem? The ones we That's just referred to here? I will prepare a place uh, for you. In my father's house are many mansions. I prepare a place for you. Mm-hmm. So is that is that in, in reference to inside the New Jerusalem? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Doug... Can you ask them if they could turn their music down just a little? They did wonderful last week. Maybe they'll turn it down for us again. It just messes me up. I don't do good with side interruptions. Okay. Four. And whither I go, you know, in the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how we can know the way. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also, and from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Okay, wait a minute. A whole lot was said right there. Somebody want to explain 6 and 7? Well, it starts off by saying that Jesus is the doorway into Yeah, Mike, please, yeah. It just starts off by saying that Jesus is the doorway unto 
I say everything. Salvation, yeah, you the Father, right. everything. Right. And then verse 7, if ye had known me, ye should have known the Father, and from henceforth ye, ye know him and have seen him. Bingo. So if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. Right. A direct representation of the right. Father. Well, there's it's a triune God. We have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. What's the difference? The Father is like the brain, the intelligence. You might think of him as the light. Then we have Jesus. He is the flesh. That the Father, the light, the brain, the, the wisdom, the only the Father knows when he's going to, when Jesus is going to return. Okay, so he's the ultimate wisdom. He is the power, literally. And then Jesus is the son that died on the cross. And then the Holy Spirit is exactly that. It's the Holy Spirit. But these three are one God. And that's the reason a lot of people, you know, we celebrate St. Patrick's Day, and it's all about the four-leaf clover. Well, they, he used, the St. Patrick used the four-leaf clover to explain God. And he would, he would explain that it's the same, it's the same, plant, but it has three parts. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, but it's still the same God. That's where we get a lot of that St. Patrick's Day and things like that, as I recall. Okay, so, he also says, and you've seen him. So if you've seen him, you've seen the flesh part of the Father. You've seen the Father, okay? Another place he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Okay, go ahead, verse 8. Philip saith unto him, Lord, shew us the Father, and it suffices us. Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me has seen the Father. There it is. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? Wait a minute. Read that ten again. Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? What's he saying? If you see me, you've seen the Father. Both. It's it's me. He said it says earlier in John that we already covered. He can uh, only do those things that the Father shows him. So the Father is in him, but he is the flesh part of the Father. Okay, go <coughs> go ahead. <clears throat> Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. Believe me that I am the Father, I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, he shall do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Okay, that is a memory verse. Everybody should have that down. Read that one again, please. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go into my Father. Okay. Somebody want to explain that one? That's a big one. Well, Thank one you. of the <laughs> one of the major references is for our walk today in the Lord, we should be able to, I guess for lack of a better way to put it, mirror the works that the Lord did here on earth, right. but yet also do greater than. Now... I, I'm not sure what greater than 
really is. We all hesitate and start hum-hawing on that part of it. Sure. You're right. But I, I look forward to the, the Holy Spirit's guidance <clears throat> into that. I know that your heart is in the field of healing. And again, I, I, I promise, I told it, I don't know how many times, August 15th, 2015, Saturday night, Lord, what do you want to say for the sermon tomorrow morning? And I heard words. And I said, this is a time of miracles. As the judgment hits, so will my miracles. Miracles like no one has seen going all the way back to Adam and Eve. You tell them, I will never leave them nor forsake them. I'm going to meet the devil, entry and step for step, pound for pound, everything he does, I'm going to meet him. And he didn't say defeat him, he just he's going to meet him. In other words, the devil comes out with the Ten Commandments, God pulls out the real Ten Commandments. He's going to meet him. He's going to expose all of his lies as he comes out with those lies. We're about to enter into the greatest test on earth. And as, well, I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, out of the mouth of the false prophet. But they are the spirits of devils working miracles going forth into the kings of the earth and to the whole world to gather them to the great day of that battle of God Almighty, meaning Armageddon. So we know that the devil is going to use great signs and lying wonders to deceive. But as that happens, God is also going to show up with miracles. Probably in our lifetime, we will see miracles greater than Adam and Eve, going back to Adam and Eve. Because when he's saying, greater things than these shall you do because I go to the Father. So the devil is about to kill Jesus. So some of the greatest miracles are about to be shown. Miracles like him coming back to life. Miracles like him going into heaven, floating up in the cloud. But he's saying, in the last days, you're going to do greater miracles because there's going to be even greater evil. As the evil comes down, so will my miracle, my power come down. And I was thinking today, Lord, (laughs) it seems really, really... I'm not trying to doubt you or anything, but it seems really, really hard that I'm going to ever be speaking in sports stadiums, you know. I'm not doubting you, but <laughs> yeah, that's it, it. Just seems hard, and I think that's the way it is for all of us right now. I think it's hard for us to believe what power God can put in us to do His work. We're going to be all doing great and mighty things, yeah. Yeah, uh, God. You know, even at the wedding, He saved the best wine for the for last, the last for right. the very last. And the wine, when you put new wine in a wineskin, it has to stretch. And so as you go through, and I felt I heard the Lord speak this to me recently because I was going through a lot and I was feeling like I was just stretched with everything that I was doing. And it was not just myself, but it was multiple people through the church. And I thought, well, why is this occurring to us? And I had prayed with someone from church. And while we we're praying, I got a download and I felt the Lord say that he's giving us that new wine for that wineskin. But I had always thought that it comes in um, when you're ministering, like that wine drops in. But what he was speaking to me was that the wine comes in during the stretch, during your, your service. He's picking people who are servants. So while you're serving and while you're being stretched in that serving and things are difficult, that's when the wine goes into that skin. And when you minister, that is when it actually gets poured out. He's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. Young men will dream dreams. Young men will see visions. Mm -hmm. 
So great things lie ahead. I mean, yeah, there's about to be a lot of trouble in the flesh, but that has to come to wake people up to receive the Spirit. Okay, where were we? Thirteen. Okay, go ahead. And whatsoever you you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Okay, now hang on. What's he saying? That's a big statement. What's he saying? Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. Now, does it say that will I do if you're one of the twelve disciples? Mm-hmm. Who's he talking to? The people that believe. Right. And use the name of Jesus. How, how, yes. How do we know that's what he was saying, though? Look at the verse before. He that believeth on me. He didn't say you disciples, did he? He that believeth on me in the work that I do, greater works than the day shall you do because I go to the Father. Then the very next thing is whatsoever you ask in my name, meaning, now, Stan, are you saying that any time we say Jesus, there should be a miracle? Well, I like Leslie's answer on that. She says, you know, it's not my job to watch over what God does. All I do is pray and then it's his decision on doing, not doing, or to what degree he wants to do. It's his decision. But my heart needs to be just to pray and ask God to move if he wants to. And she was so happy to hear that I've agreed to go to Honduras. (laughs) Uh, She says, Stan, I'm telling you, you when you get down there, the Spirit of God will come on you and you pray for those people. And she says, you do see a lot of miracles down there. You do. You do see a lot of miracles. So, okay, back to 13. Reread 13, please. <clears throat> and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. He said it twice. He said it twice. Okay, go ahead. <clears throat> if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Yet a little while in the world seeth me no more, but you you see me, because I live, you shall live also. At that day you shall know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Okay, wait a minute. Read that 21 again. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Wow. And they overcame by the blood of the Lamb. But the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto the death. Okay, so what's that saying? It means that they had not just accepted Jesus. They had overcome by the blood of the Lamb. I have to say it again because it's so distracting. I guess they decided not to turn it down, huh? Overcame by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and love not their lives unto the death. We should all have a testimony. He says, I'll manifest myself to him. So if they're really saved and you say, well, when did you accept Jesus? It's not going to be, uh, 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 when did I accept Jesus? Uh, anything. Uh, 
He's like, let me tell you, I got all kinds of stories. <laughs> because we have a testimony. He's manifested himself to us. He's shown us all kinds of things. He's walked with us. Let me tell you, is that a car accident? Let me tell you about, you know. They should have a testimony. Okay, keep going. Judas saith unto him, not um, Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not into the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words, and my father will love him, and he will, and we will come unto him, and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which is, which you hear is not mine, but the father's which sent me. These things I have spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Okay, wait a minute. 26 is another big one. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. I believe there's another place where it says he'll he'll reveal all things too. And... A lot of times, I want to get on the program and say, okay, well, this is what's really happening. But, of course, the Democrats would say, well, you can't prove that. You have no evidence of that. They love saying that. You have no, there is no evidence that Biden did anything wrong. But in here, the Holy Spirit's saying, okay, l- let me just tell you, you're a no good. <laughs> and I can't wait to see you stand before the great white throne. Actually, you're going to report to the Bema Sea. I can't wait to see you stand before the righteous judge because it's not going to be a pretty day for you because in here, we know. We know, but we can't prove. Mm-hmm. There's been times where I've said, look, a guy called me today. He says, Stan, what do you think is really going on? And he asked the right question. So I told him, I said, well, here's what I really think is going on. I can't prove all of it. I said, but this is from everything I get this is what I really think is going on and I think probably that's what's really going on okay go ahead yeah and that can make you really upset too which is why we need the next verse (laughs) peace I leave with you my peace I give unto you not as the world giveth give I unto you let not your heart be troubled neither let it be afraid you have heard how I said unto you I go away and come again unto you if you loved me, you would rejoice, because I said, I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it come to pass, that when it is come to pass, you might believe. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me, but that the world may whoa, know. Whoa, 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 he just said something real big. Read 30 again. What's, tell me what's big about this. Hereafter, I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. What are those last few words, and hath nothing in me? Yes, but more. There's more. See, I, for example, I I don't ever see any drugs. Do you ever see any drugs in in the world? I I don't know that we have a drug problem. I never see them. But then I've never never partaken in it. Because the thing that we have stepped in is the thing that the devil knows we've stepped in. He can tempt us with again. So when he says, and he has nothing in me, what he's saying is he has nothing on me. He, He hasn't found anything I have done wrong because 
just like with Trump. They're always trying to find something wrong that Trump has done. And for the life of them, they can't seem to find it. He's not perfect. But for whatever reason, they haven't been able to find anything. Okay, so they go in and raid Mar-a-Lago, raid his home, and you know they're searching under every pillow. They probably look to see if he had bed bugs. You know, <laughs> look every place trying to find something wrong because if they can find something wrong, then they control him. Ah, look yonder. Because, see, the devil is the accuser of the brethren. Revelation says he stands before God day and night accusing the brethren. So when he says he has nothing in me, he says... He, what he's saying is he hasn't found any fault in me. He has no control over me. Now look at it again, verse 30. Hereafter, I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world comes, and he's, what, the way we would say it, and he has found nothing wrong in me. So he can't control me. Think about it, like blackmail. What do they do with blackmail? Okay, oh, I got a picture of you kissing that other girl. I got a picture of you smoking that dope. I got a picture of you stealing... You know, that's blackmail. I've got a picture of you doing something wrong, and I can tell everybody. It just makes me want to say, okay, look, we're going to have a get-out-of-trouble-free day in America. Everybody that has done every, anything, if you will come forward and just confess it, we're going to get rid of all the blackmail right now. Yeah, Moses, Moses had that um, problem. When the Egyptian was killed and he thought, it said he took the body, went to go hide it, and he looked around to see if anyone saw. And then he uh, he went out to um, assert his authority and to see what was going on in the city. And he said, are you going to kill me like you did that Egyptian? And I'm sure his heart sank at that point. And then he didn't even go back into Egypt and told him, you know, that man was dead. And because Moses killed that guy... He had to spend 40 years on the backside of the desert, and that meant Israel had to be in bondage 40 more years because the prophecy said they would be in bondage 40 years and then come out with great substance. But instead, they were in bondage 430 years. So they were in bondage more than they had to be but because of Moses' mistake. Isn't that interesting? Bible's awesome. Okay, so where were we? 31. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me the commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go hence. Okay, any questions, comments on that chapter? Well, we're moving slow, but this is some deep stuff. Okay, anyone want to read next? Yes, ma'am. I am the vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch. I'm, it says I'm the true vine, right? Oh, yes. Okay, all right. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. What? What's that saying? What's it saying? Any bad person, he, he doesn't deal with. Any evil person, unpure person, he, he doesn't. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. So what's he saying? Every branch in me. In other words, so if someone has accepted him. It's me, so it has to be someone who's in Christ. Right. And so you shall know them by their fruits. Okay, here, let me back up. I'm the true vine. My father is the husbandman. Okay, so Jesus is the vine. I know a lot of Jews want to say, well, you know, you, you Gentiles were tied into the vine. That's Israel. No, Israel's not the vine. Jesus is the vine. 
Okay, <laughs> they want to get t- things tangled up. I'm the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Husband means he's the planter of it. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Right, remember the story of the of the uh, the, the parable of the, the the talents. One was given five talents. One was given two talents. One was given one talent. Five talents. What'd you do with them? I brought you ten back. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Two talents. I brought you two back. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well, what about the one talent? Well, you know, I know you're a hardened, cruel master, and you'd you're reaping where you hadn't sown. You didn't give me enough, so I just buried it in the ground to make sure I could bring it back to you. He said, the wicked and slothful servant. Take from him the one talent he was given and given to the one that has ten. What's he saying? He's saying, if you've accepted me, then you will be working and serving me. And I think that the very first job every person that has been blood washed is to get at least one other person blood washed. The first responsibility for everyone that has been saved, got their name written in the book of life, is to at least get one more. And if we have not got one more, that's what he's talking about. Every branch of me that beareth not fruit. In other words, if you say, Jesus, come into my heart, and you do nothing for the rest of your life, he's going to toss you into the lake and burns the fire and brimstone. Wait a minute, wait a minute, I accepted Jesus. Yes, but just like I said, every branch of me that beareth not fruit... He taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, what does purge mean? I'm going to ask you a very direct question. Have you ever been corrected by God? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She, did you hear the question? And you came in to volunteer and say yes? Yeah, yeah. And, and also, we have grapevines in our backyard, so we grow grapes. And when you have a vegetative vine that is not a fruiting vine, you clip that. You clip it off. There are different types of vines. There's some that fruit and some that are just... And by clipping off, what happens? Then it puts more energy into the fruiting vine. Call them sucker vines. Yeah. The ones that are fruitless. Yeah. Because they're sucking the life oh, out of the, the I didn't fruit, know that. You're going to look at the ones that bear fruit, and you're going to clip the ones that have small little beginning clusters so that more goes into the bigger clusters. Right? You're going to clip some of those so more... Okay, let me get this straight. So you have yeah. you have a grapevine, mm-hmm. and when that that plant comes up, roughly how many vines does it have? I mean, like five or ten or twenty or thirty. One main stem and then lots of. How, how many would you say? Give me a ball. Give me a number. Oh, I don't know. I have a. We have a ten-year-old vine right now. It's huge. It's fifteen feet wide, and it's got about I don't know, sixty. Sixty vines. Okay, out of the sixty. Things all over it. Out of the sixty, how many do you have to cut off because they're not bearing fruit? Yeah, you cut a lot off because a lot of it's just wood, dead wood. Mm-hmm. So if it doesn't have fruit on it, yeah. you cut it off, you and then it withers off. up, and then what do you do with it? Throw it away. Burn it. Put it in the burning Toss pile. It. <laughs> wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's very I didn't know that. That's very good. 
Now we got to read that again. Okay, excellent, excellent. I am the true vine, my father is the husbandman. Every branch that breathe that bringeth forth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, that purgeth it. My guess is, if you look that up in the Greek here, it's probably talking about that they, it, it, it has to be beaten. I've heard that the way you get more roses from the rose bush is you beat the rose bush. Anybody can verify that? I've heard that said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually you get more, you, the rose bush, if it's not bearing forth fruit, if you go out and hit it with a stick, you get more roses. <laughs> Always just trim the dead limbs and I get a lot of roses. I know that when we were living in Kansas one year, we had one tree that was a pear tree and it, it started this one year, it finally started bearing pears and it had a bunch of pears. I thought, oh, great. We're gonna get, well, <laughs> they're all a little bitty like this, you know. Just, there was no real fruit to it because it had so many pears. Mm-hmm. Now, looking back, had I gone out there and do what she did, if I had trimmed off some of the branches that weren't bearing fruit or some of them that the fruit wasn't very big, then more of the energy of the plant could have, maybe we would have had pears that were fit for eating. Instead, threw them all away. Wow. Okay, go ahead and read verse 2 again. Verse 2 again? Yeah. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I be in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And the men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. What's the fire? Like burning the fire and brimstone. Okay, so abide in me and I in you. What does that mean? It means things like, oh, maybe going to a Bible study, (laughs) going to church. But I don't think it's just about attendance. I think it's about our heart. You know, are, are we giving? And every time I say giving, I can feel a lot of people that just kind of cringe up. You know, one of the the greatest things that I think God has shown me is the power of giving. You know, he he tells me give, and I I give, shockingly. And uh, I just told him this morning, I said, Lord, I know where that came from. That came from you. I give, and you turn around and give it right back. I said that this morning. I said that out loud to him this morning. It's, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. In other words, if we read the Bible, if we walk in the Bible, we learn the Bible, we study the Bible, we study him, we have a prayer closet, we're praising, we're worshiping, we're doing the things we need to be doing, then he'll give us a lot of fruit, he'll give us a lot of souls. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them, cast them into the fire. So he's saying... 
if you accept Jesus and you don't do anything with it, you're worthless. Uh, Doug, do you want to say something to him next door? That's really loud. Doug? You know, their room is no bigger than ours. Do they really need to be that loud? And they have a speaker right there. So it's really, it's just, maybe it didn't, it probably doesn't bother women as much as it bothers me, but it, it bothers me greatly. Anyway, go ahead. Where are you? Uh, Seven. Seven, okay. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you, that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of my Father in my name, ye he may give it to you. These things I command you, that ye love one another. If the world hate oh, okay. you... Okay, hang on, hang on. We, 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 we crossed a lot of really powerful things there. I'm going to even back up verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so if I have loved you, continue in my love. Mm-hmm. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy may remain in you. So we want love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. How do we get it? We get it by abiding in him. Part of that is reading his Bible. Part of that is taking communion. That's praise. That's worship. That's prayer closet. I mean, there's there's a lot to being a Christian. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Now, is that suggesting that every Christian be in a position where they're willing to lay down their life for their friends? probably in theory, but I don't think that's really what he's referring to. He's saying, my name is Jehovah. My name is yod heh vav My name is the God that allows himself to be nailed to the cross because greater love has no man than to lay down his life for his friend. And he is the God that gave his life to save his friends. That's what it's really saying. Greater love hath no man than this, that man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends. If you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Now think about all of the prophecies, the warnings, all of the prophetic words we've had. 
God is speaking like I've never seen him speak in my 69 years on this earth. I remember a time when growing up and the churches were flourishing and people were going to church and there was no need for God to really do anything. And the, the prophecies were almost non-existent. There was no warnings. There was no, there was no promise because we were walking in his love. We were walking in his blessing. Now, the more that we get into this filth of the world, now God is saying, you're in trouble. America, you're in trouble. You better straighten up. You better fly right. And it's, whew, flies right over the head. won't hear it. You've not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you. We want to think, we want to think that we chose him. But see, our name's written in that book of life before the foundation of the world. Now, look back on your life. Can you remember a time when you thought, oh, man, I, I ain't going to make it. I, I, I'm not going to make it to heaven. Do you remember that time? Yeah. Oh, I do. <laughs> I messed up too bad this time. And then here he came after me again. Yeah. Remember? I cannot tell you how many times in my prayer closet I've thanked him for coming to you. Lord, you wrote my name in the book of life, and you probably had to write it there several times. <laughs> you probably had to write it several times. You probably had to write it back in there several times. So, Lord, I'm, I'm thankful for what you've done. Okay, go ahead. 18. 18, okay. If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of this world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto, unto you for my name's sake because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin, but now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, <clears throat> they had not had sin, but now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. But this cometh to pass that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. Okay, let's back up. Mm -hmm. If the world hated you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Mm -hmm. We look and we see it and we say, Nancy, I don't understand why you can't see the problems. I didn't say your last name. I don't think I have to. I don't understand why you can't see the problems. But they, they hated the world, they, they hated me, they hated you. And so just like the January 6th people, okay, I, I, I accept that there was probably some guys out of order there, but not to the degree they're being treated. I don't have all the truth. I mean, again, you can't get the truth these days. I mean, ask Tucker Carlson, he'll tell you you can't say the truth. <laughs> um, Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will also keep yours. We're uh, getting commercials put in the Prophecy Club program now. They, we didn't used to. They, the, the program I looked at, the Wednesday program, they put one at the start 
And then just as I was going into making a point, they put another one there, and then another one. There was at least three, and I didn't watch the whole program. So I did a cut paste of the screen paste, and I sent it off to the appropriate people in our ministry to complain to YouTube, saying, stop putting. And this one thing, it started, and this girl came up. It, this is the start of the promo. This is from YouTube. And YouTube said, are you tired of wrestling with your breasts? Those were the words that started off the promo. And it was a commercial for camis, whatever a C-A-M-I is, a cami. Okay. I'm looking for some This is like the same cover-up. Yeah, okay. Right. <laughs> they, the devil attacks where he possibly can. And I guess we should look and see this as a compliment but nevertheless, we're still complaining to them, asking them to remove their commercials. Especially, there, there was another one after that. It was uh, another, the second one was also, it was not just a commercial, but it was an inappropriate commercial to be in a ministry. So it's the devil doing what he can to attack us. Okay, anyway, where were we? Third 26. Twenty-five, I think. But this cometh to pass that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And ye shall also bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. You want me to keep going? No, uh, but when the Comforter is come, whom I will send to you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And ye also shall bear witness, because I have been with me, for ye have been with me from the beginning. So he's telling them that in 50 days it's going to be Passover, which is. Okay, so let me put this into the chart. Okay, so Jesus was put on the cross Wednesday afternoon, as I recall, uh, before sunset, mm-hmm. on Passover. Then he was in the, the grave on unleavened bread. He was in the grave for three days. Three days later, he arose on first fruits. And the next time, and when, by the way, when he rose, time stopped on first fruits. I'm talking about prophetic time. It stopped. The stopwatch stopped on first fruits. Then about 2,000 years later, not exactly, but about 2,000 years later, time, prophetic time starts again on first fruits. That's Revelation 14.4, excuse me, 14.1. I looked and lo, a lamb stood upon the Mount Sion. With him 144,000 having his father. Well, here, just turn there. Go to Revelation 14.4. Having his father's name written in the foreheads. Revelation 14.4. <clears throat> I looked and lo, a lamb stood upon the Mount Sion. Okay, now, this upsets the pre-tribbers terribly because it destroys their plan. Their plan is they think that before the tribulation starts, Jesus returns and pulls them in the air. They go to the marriage supper of the lamb. Not, not accurate at all. There's no scripture for it. There's no precedent. Anyway, that's what they believe. Marriage supper of the lamb for seven years. Then Jesus comes back down out here is what they believe. 
And so they get to miss the whole seven-year period. When Jesus returns, they teach that he comes down here on the Mount of Olives. Okay, the problem is, where does it say Jesus is here? I looked and lo a lamb, who would be the lamb? That would be Jesus, right? I looked and lo a lamb stood upon the Mount Sion. Well, Mount Sion is about a 30-minute walk from Mount of Olives. So that's a different mountain. Mm -hmm. Mount of Olives is where a lot of the great Israelis through the year have wanted to be buried. And of course, they don't put them in the ground. They put them up on these uh, stone boxes. I'm trying to move my my mic around here because it's not working right. Anyway, so he's on Mount Sion. Well, what's he doing on Mount Sion? I thought he was coming back to Mount of Olives. The Bible says in Zechariah 14, clearly he comes back to Mount of Olives. So what are we doing on Mount Zion? Well, because there's a whole other coming back. When he comes to Mount Sion is here. He returns here on the first on the uh, on first fruits. When he returns here, he resurrects 144,000 one-year-old Israeli Jewish boys to mature bodies, no guile or mouth without fault before the throne of God. Then they walk around for 50 days down here. 50 days later, this is the barley harvest, okay? 50 days later, then he also resurrects the wheat. Those that are ready, remember the parallel that says those that are ready get to go to the marriage. Remember they, they had the uh, lamp that was not burning, okay? But those that are ready went in and then the door was shut. So those that are ready are the Pentecost, that's the wheat. What's the difference between the barley and the wheat? Who's the wheat? We're the wheat, okay? Who's the barley? The Jews. And in this case, for them to be a part of this, they have to be no guile in their mouth, without fault before the throne, and the only way that, according to Revelation, to, to Leviticus 23, about verse 10 or 12, the sacrifice requirement for first fruits is a lamb of the first year without a male lamb without of the first year without blemish. If you want to, go ahead and find that, and I'll have you read it. It's 20, Leviticus 23, 10 or 12, something like that. Anyway, so the barley is the Jews, then we are the wheat. So Jesus walks around with 144,000 for 50 days. Then we go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is the wheat harvest. At the, the marriage supper of the Lamb, we are given a wedding garment, and that's all we get. Jesus is crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. He has given many crowns, a vesture dipped in his own blood, and a white horse. We are given a white horse to return about four months later. Remember Jesus said, the fields are white under harvest. There's four, year, four months to the harvest. There, there are yet four months and then the harvest. I believe he's talking about these are the four months. About from here to here is the harvest. Here's where Jesus returns on the white horse. We're on a white horse too, following him in tow. And he returns back down here. This is where we get our crowns, our mantles. This is the judgment seat of Christ. Dead or alive, all in Christ are judged. Even if they never received Christ, but they, they could have received Christ, they're judged all right here. Then 10 days later, it's the Day of Atonement. All right, now, why was I saying all that? How was I tying that together? 
Revelation 14.1, I looked and lo, a lamb stood upon the Mount Sinai with 144,000 having his father's name written in the foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven as they sung as it were a new song. Verse 4. These are they which are not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb with the silver he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God. That word first fruits, that is the secret door. Are you over in Leviticus now? Yes, but what did you want me to look at? Leviticus 23. Uh, where, well, the word first fruits, Leviticus 23. 23. You said 23, verse 10. Leviticus 23, 10 or 12. First fruits. <coughs> Look up. That's the secret door. That's that's where they are. Oh yeah. It's you 20, see it? Yeah. Twenty three ten. Twenty three ten. Read it for me. Speaking Mike. Mike. Children. Mike. Is it on? Yes. Okay. Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, When ye be come into the land which I give unto you, and shall reap the harvest thereof, then ye shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest. Keep going. And he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted for you. On the morrow after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And you shall offer that day when you wave the sheaf, and he, there lamb, without blemish of the first year for a burnt offering unto the Lord. Okay, so the requirement for this feast, first fruits, is what again? A he, lamb, without blemish of the first year. Is first that what year. you just read? Yeah. Okay, that's what it's talking about. Mm-hmm. So... The, the feast here, the, the sacrifice has to be a he lamb of the first year without blemish. Without blemish. Mm-hmm. Where do you get 144 a year? Where do you get 144,000 anybody's that have no guile in their mouth without fault before the throne of God and they're all in the first year? And they all have to be he lambs, okay? And that would be the 144,000 mm-hmm. that are resurrected from the 12 tribes, from the mm-hmm. tribe of Acer, which were, healed, were, were, were of the tribe of Gad, were sealed 12,000, the tribe of Acer, sealed 12,000, the tribe of Simeon, were sealed 12,000, remember all that? Mm-hmm. That's what it's talking about. Those 144,000 from the 12 tribes. Then, see, watch this. Jesus returns here. He walks around. He gets the wheat harvest. He goes to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The marriage supper of the Lamb, he returns with us to come back down here for Armageddon. This is Zion. He returns to Mount Zion. This is return Mount of Olives. Zion, Olives. This is judgment of all that could have received Jesus. This is judgment of those that did not or could not receive Jesus. No one alive appears here. I saw the dead. Small and great, stand before God and the books are open. How are we doing on time? Just about out of time. But I think you finished that chapter, didn't you? Yes. Okay. All right, we'll take it up there. Okay, so what did you learn in the Bible study tonight? Was it good? Did you get anything out of it? That's good. I liked how you tied it back to, to Genesis this time. Yeah. <laughs> the heel. Yes. Well, that one little word... That's really important. This meaning, yeah. yeah. Helps you to understand. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been doing Bible studies for a long time. It's what it takes to come to a Bible study with someone that is not going to lead you astray, but you want to 
once learned the truth. Yeah. I was talking to a, a guy I, today, some guy came over to the house for some service or something, and I was talking to him, and <clears throat> I said, well, let me guess. I said, the church you go to believes in a pre-trib rapture. Yeah. And I said, and they have a board of elders. Yes. And they don't necessarily teach out of the King James Version, kind of just whatever version, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I said, okay, well, here's what our church does. We believe in the King James Bible. We think the other ones have been changed, been perverted. And we've done a lot of research to back that up. And all we do is we try to learn the King James, we try to teach the King James, and follow the King James. So as a result, there's no place in the Bible here that says you are supposed to have a board of elders. The board of elders are lay people that are not called to the ministry. They are lay people that are in charge of the church. They tell the pastor and his wife what they're going to preach, what they're not going to preach. So we have lay people above the called of God people. No place in here is it say that's the way it's supposed to be organized. Second thing is, is we simply try to teach the Bible to people and encourage them to follow the Bible. Now you'd think it would be, it'd be pretty simple. He said, yeah, I think that'd be pretty simple. I said, well, you'd think it would. But that's not what is taught in most of the churches out there. Instead, they have board of elders, they, uh, which means they're not officially in a court of law. They are not a church. They are a 501c3 government corporation. They're a corporation of the government. We are not. Leslie and I started the church and we report to Jesus. That's who we report to. And believe me, he is quite capable of correcting his own. <laughs> he, he, he corrects his own. And we also teach prophecy. We do not believe there's a pre-trib rapture. I tell people that, you know, if you want to learn about prophecy, watch Prophecy Club. But if you want to learn about the Bible, come to the Spirit of Prophecy Church. So any comments on the Bible study tonight? Um, I really liked how Jesus um, handled the betrayal of Judas. Um, I find that people expect that God will speak so directly so many times, but he has a very careful, um, you know, hidden way that he, he does those things. And the more I get involved in the prophetic, the more I see um, how God has such a knowledge base of things, but how he carefully articulates things where even half of a room can know information and the other half can't and they're all in the same room. It's really remarkable how God has his ways to, to carefully do that. Okay, you said the more I get involved in the prophetic. Now is that is in personal prophecy or is it in Bible prophecy? I would say all of it. Just hearing the, God speak on every different level, every different way. Are you learning more about the Bible? Yes. Than you've ever learned? At of a deeper course. level. Of course, absolutely. Okay, now, <clears throat> what I've discovered in Bible studies is if you go too deep, then it loses people. But on the other hand, if you don't go deep enough, if you just read through it, then it just, you know, and it doesn't stick. You've got to stop every once in a while and just think about it and let it soak in. Consider it as it relates to your life. Then it soaks into our heart. Any comments from the left side of the table? I have one more thing. 
if you don't okay. mind. Okay, so I also think it's important how you were relating um, the structure and the biblical um, the biblical um, template that God gave us for churches. The fivefold is very important to have in the church: um, apostle, uh, prophet, prophet, teacher, pastor, pastor evangelist. Um, because so many churches don't operate under uh, that structure that God gave us, and they get anemic for a balanced word from God. Um, and what I find is even I think a lot of personally, I think a lot of mega churches thrive because people don't get uh, maybe like an evangelism type, uh, you know, message every so often and things of that nature. And I find that they go to seek out those types of messages somewhere else in a lot of ways, too. Um, so it's really important. To well, let me say something about my <clears throat> level two watchman training coming up. The first level one training was basic training and I asked everybody to write out the book of Revelation. They didn't have to, but I strongly suggested it. And then we came in and we read through most of the book of Revelation. Somebody says, well, are you going to be reading through the book of Revelation again? I, I Probably not. Instead, what we're going to do specifically is go into more of the, the deeper parts. Things like, okay, so how do you uh, explain to someone that believes and has been taught in a pre-trib rapture. How do you explain that's not accurate? And some other specific ways there. And I'm asking people to, having watched the Watchman Level 1, also to, if they will, because requests are not a requirement, but to write out the book of, of Revelation if they haven't already. If they have, then go ahead and bring that. And I'm also asking them to memorize the 13th chapter of Revelation because Revelation 13 is kind of the foundation for everything. It's the overview of the whole thing. When you understand Revelation 13, when you understand it, then you understand the core of prophecy. And then I'm going to set a date a year later for level three. And for level three, I'm asking people to memorize the book of Revelation. Wow, that's not easy. I didn't say it's easy. But where I want to get people is by the time they're through level three, by then, very good possibility things will have fallen apart in America to the point to where we're actually having pastors that want someone to come and to teach the book of Revelation, teach Bible prophecy to them. And very possibly I'm going to be busy and I won't be able to come. So I'd like to have a list of people that I can call on to send out to the different churches to teach Bible prophecy. And for you to go to a church and really know that you're really te- teaching the truth, these are things that, that I think that, and I think you'd agree, that a person needs to be at that level before they walk into a church and stand before God's people and say this is the truth. And so Revelation 13, memorizing that chapter, is going to open up a lot. I mean, Here's what I think will probably happen. There'll be some people just like me. I first started memorizing Revelation 13, or Revelation, the book. Uh, I wasn't going to tell Leslie at all because I didn't think I could really do it. As a matter of fact, I didn't even start with Revelation 1 1 because the first seven verses just looked too difficult for me. So I started Revelation 8 1 8. And then when I got to the end of Revelation chapter 1, then I went back and memorized the first seven verses. So I finally got it down. And then I started going on. I thought, well, I'm never going to make this. 
So I kept working and kept praying. So after about chapter three, chapter four, somewhere in there, I thought, man, okay, where's halfway? I mean, maybe I could at least memorize halfway through. So I figured out where halfway was. I thought, all right, at least I can make it halfway. I made it halfway, I kept trugging along. But as I did it, and here's the point, as I started doing it, memorizing, is almost like God was waking up my brain, and by that time I got to Revelation 20, Revelation 20, 21, 22, those last three chapters were a breeze. I got them down like two days each. Instead of two or three weeks to a month for chapters, two days. And, okay, fine, maybe my brain started waking up. You could say that in a natural. Either that or as I think God looked down and said, you know what, this boy is just serious enough. Let's just go ahead and help him a little. (laughs) And I think that's what people will find when they start memorizing Revelation 13 and all of a sudden it starts opening the spirit to them in a way they've never seen before. They'll say, okay. We got to do the whole thing because when a person has memorized the book of Revelation, there's not a pastor in the land that would say you're not qualified to come and teach it. Right? Amen. 8.03. We're eight, three minutes late. Okay. Lord, I ask for a blessing on everybody that watches this either in person or recorded. I ask you to send your Holy Spirit, help them to open it up. And to remember it and also send them into level two and level three training so that we can make them ready to go out and teach Bible prophecy in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay.